2 Samuel chapter 19, I have to warn you about this. We're going to keep this nice and short. Paul showed me the time of the sermon this morning. He said you, he was, he was in his function as an elder saying, you need to keep it short tonight. Here's, here's one of the hardest things about these Old Testament narratives. They're great stories. They record what actually happened. But when you try to take some value out of them, it's sometimes very difficult to figure out what application you can make from these crazy stories. Uh, so we're just going to look at it this way. What you know is David should be king over Israel. He's the anointed. He's God's chosen. And it's supposed to be his and his family's perpetually forever. But he's been run off the throne by his son. Now, as you remember last time, his son died and his enemies are down. Now the question is, how's he going to get back? I don't know if you've ever been somewhere before where you, you should be here in your life spiritually but you've made a detour, you got distracted, you went off on a side road chasing a rabbit or a tangent, and what you suddenly decide, like, a, like the prodigal son, you wake up and you realize, I shouldn't be here. I need to get back over there. How do I go from where I am to where I should be? And that really is what 2 Samuel 19 is about. How's David going to get back and so we're going to look at this, beginning chapter 19, verse 1. Um, it ended, chapter 18, with this awful, uh, terrible, tragic scene of David mourning over his son Absalom. Chapter 19 turns over, and it was told to Joab, the commander of his army. Uh, Joab is an interesting character. I'm going to say this, Joel Inman and I uh, were talking about this last Sunday night he was here. He says he and his wife differ about how to interpret this next paragraph. I am in agreement with Joel on this one. I hate to say it, uh, but, but I want you to listen to this because it's, it's, it is so, it, it's a confrontation. And here's how it goes. It was told to Joab, his commander, behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. He won't come out of his room. He's crying. He's in a foreign land, right? That's not where he should be. He should be getting himself back to the capital, right? So the victory that day was turned into mourning. Instead of people being able to celebrate winning for the king, it's all mourning for all the people, and the people heard that day. It's all they heard. The king is grieving for his son, okay? And the people stole into the city that day as people steal in those who are ashamed when they flee in battle. So in other words, they were hiding in the city, and they were almost like, we won, but we feel ashamed because of the death that happened to Absalom. So instead of being able to party hardy, right, because they won a, a battle, they're having to walk on eggshells because of David's mourning. The king covered his face, and the king cried with a loud voice, Oh, my son Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son. And Joab came to the house and confronted the king. I want you to listen to what he says. Because it's harsh, but he has to wake David up. And he says to David, he comes in and he's talking to the king, right? The all-powerful one, right? And says, you have already covered the shame, or you have today covered with shame the faces of all your servants who have this day saved your life and the lives of your sons and your daughters and the lives of your wives and your concubines because you love those who hate you and you hate those who love you. You've made it clear today the commanders and servants are nothing to you. For today I know that if Absalom could be alive and all of us could be dead, you would be pleased with that. Now therefore, get yourself up, go out and speak kindly to your servants for I swear by the Lord if you don't go no man will stay with you past tonight 
And this will be worse for you than all the evil that has come upon you from your youth until now. This will be the worst thing that ever happened to you. And the king listened. He arose, took his seat in the gate, and the people were all told, Behold, the king is sitting in the, in the gate. <coughs> Excuse me. And all the people came before the king. Here's the first thing you need to do to get back to where you should be when you've been derailed. Have somebody who's got the guts to tell you what you need to hear. You need somebody who's willing to go through all the other protocol stuff and come up to you and shake you awake, if that's what's necessary. Joab, his commander, says to him, this is ridiculous what you're doing. Wake up or you're going to lose your entire army and you're going to be alone and it's going to be the worst thing that ever happened to you. Do you have people in your life who can be honest like that? I mean, reach beyond all the the fluff that you're throwing at them and tell you the honest truth. There's a proverb that says, you know, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Trustworthy are the wounds of a friend. You have somebody who's willing to wound you to do you better rather than tell you all the things you want to hear? That's a real friend. Now, I don't know what the occasion is, but here's what I envision David's doing. Instead of thinking about what he needs to do now to secure the future for the nation, what he's doing is he's, he is just regretting all the mistakes of his past. What could I have done different that would have made this story turn out different? What do I regret? What sins did I commit? He already knows them. He's been forgiven of them, but he's sitting there not being able to forgive himself. Have you ever been in a spot like that? God has forgiven you. There's nothing against you, but you can't get past it yourself. You dwell on the past. And you think, how could I be so naive as to let Absalom overtake my throne and run me off the throne that God's given me? How can I do that? And he's sitting there whining, and he's just, he's just dwelling on past mistakes. There is value to guilt. There is value to regret. But there's also value in saying, God has forgiven me. I've made my mistakes and I'm going to own them. And I'm going to get back up and I'm going to take the future rather than go with the future and give it to a past mistake. David has somebody willing. Now, here's what, that's how Joel and I see it. His wife sees it. Here I am telling a position I don't like and putting his wife's face on it right she thinks Joab is overstepping his bounds I think Joab's saving his life you got to decide what you think but it seems to me he has somebody and he actually listens to Joab and then the army realizes he's coming out and they all come up to him and they renew their allegiance to him and things are well you need someone to shake you awake when you're stuck in the ruts of the past and you need to get up and take a new future that involves getting back to where you should be. I don't know if that resonates with anybody, but this passage is harsh that way. Here's a second thing I want us to notice. This begins in verse 9. We're not going to read all of it, but David begins to uh, um, work with the people back home to bring him back. Instead of presuming that they want him back, he gets his people of Judah, the very ones who revolted against him, he gets them to come over and talk with him. The other ten tribes already want him back. They just say, hey, come on back. We're ready for you. But he wants to know the people of Judah who revolted in the first place still want him back. And he calls them to himself. And he does two things 
to have them help him come back. You need someone to help you come back. That's what this point is. Next one. Someone to welcome you back. And so he invites the Judah people back, and then he does something most bizarre. Joab, the one who just saved him, he fired. And he put in his place his cousin, who was the commander of the army they just beat, gave him his job, which is crazy. But he's trying to get people to help him to come back. When you're trying to get back to a place where you should be, you're going to need help from some people. Who are they? Don't just presume to think that you can just waltz back in. You need help. Third thing he does, look at the next paragraph, verse 16 beginning. They have to do, figure out what to do with Shimei. You may not remember Shimei as David was walking up the Mount of Olives. Shimei was throwing rocks and mud and bricks and everything and calling him names and cursing him. And David said, just leave him alone. Maybe that's God. Well, as he's coming back, Shimei realizes he's made a mistake. He confesses his sin to David here. I made a blunder. I did wrong. Please forgive me. David has some soldiers in his army that really want to take his head off, that really want to, you know, rub it in, right? David says, no, we forgive. You have to forgive some people, people who've wronged you. There's one other story, and I think we will read this one. I want you to see it in verse 24 beginning. This is Mephibosheth. You remember the crippled grandson of Saul that David invited back to the throne, to the palace to eat at his table every day? There was some misinformation given to him as he was running. And this, I think, is the truth. I want you to join me in verse 9. Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down, grandson of Saul actually, came down to meet the king. He had neither taken care of his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came back in safety. This guy looked disheveled. This guy stunk and looked terrible because he was in mourning over David's departure. When he came to Jerusalem to meet the king, the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, O Lord, my king, my servant deceived me, Ziba. He deceived me, for your servant said to me, said to, I told him, Ziba, saddle my donkey for myself. And I think he probably told him to put food on it too, right? That I may ride on it and go to the king, for your servant is lame. He has slandered me to you, my lord the king, he says. But my lord the king is like an angel of God. Do therefore whatever seems good to you. For all my father's house were but men doomed to death before my lord the king, you. You sent your servant to be among those who eat at your table. What further right have I then to cry to the king? And the king said to him, Why speak any more of your affairs? I've decided you and Ziba shall divide the land. Mephibosheth said to the king, Oh, let him take it all since my lord the king has come safely home. That sounds complicated, doesn't it? Mephibosheth says, I was loading up my donkey to come to you. Ziba took it, and he came to you instead and said that I was plotting against you. Somebody's lying here. And you may recall that God, uh, that Saul, that Saul, David took all the stuff that belonged to Mephibosheth and gave it to Ziba. You remember that as he was walking up. Now he sits back and says, I don't even know what the truth is. Mephibosheth says, I don't even care what you do with the stuff. I just want to be back with you. I kind of think Mephibosheth is right, Zeba's wrong. 
But who knows? David doesn't know. He just says, you guys split all that stuff. Come on back and sit at my table the rest of your life. He just forgave. He just forgave. Finally, one last act. Barzillai, he's the guy that fed him and provided him all that he needed while he was away. He's old. He's 80 years old. He wants to stay back home where he'll be buried with his fathers. But David wants to honor him. Come and live with me in Jerusalem. I'll take care of all your stuff. And Barzillai says, nope, I don't want to do that. But if you will, take my servant, which the Septuagint says is his son. Show him the honor you would show me. And David gladly does it. When you go back, you need to forgive some people, but you also need to honor those people who blessed you. You need to figure out who those people were that was a blessing to you, and you need to honor them. David then comes back across the Jordan, and he's back home in Jerusalem, and he's about, he's about to take the kingdom again. It's going to take some conflict. We'll get to that. But this is how you get back to where you should be when you've taken a wrong route or got distracted. You need someone to shake you awake, someone who's willing to come to you and say, you're not living right, you need to get back. You need to get back to living, right? Living right. You need someone who, who welcomes you back to help you make the transition. You need to forgive some people who made some mistakes with you or maybe even led you to make mistakes. You need to forgive some people. And then finally, you need to honor some people. But even with all of that, you've got to be the one to make the steps. There's a lot of things about counseling that I'm learning, and one of them is this. You can tell someone, counsel someone, advise someone, but only they can do the work. You'd love to do it for them. It seems obvious to you. It's very clear to you what they should be doing, and you'd love to help them with it. You'd love to journey with them along it, but if they don't want to make the journey, you don't need to do more work than they do. David here has got to get himself back to where he was. And there's some great steps he makes, but he has to do it. And he gets his way back to Jerusalem, and he's about to get on the throne again, where he should have never left in the first place. There may be some people here tonight. I don't know. You're church people. You're the people who are faithful on Sunday night and Wednesday night, right? So probably not, but there might be some people that for whatever reason you've gotten distracted, and you need to make the step back. Only you can do it. Maybe somebody's confronted you. Maybe somebody, maybe some word from God or from some song or from a sermon or from some friend of yours is shaking you awake. You've got to get things right, right? Ask somebody who's with you. Maybe that same person. They'll help you come back. Forgive some people, including yourself. Honor some people who've helped you remind, be reminded of where you need to come and then make the trip back. And if that needs to involve some public acknowledgement, we stand ready to receive you as we stand and as we sing.